The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Thank you for joining us. I'm Leanne Worcester Nacy, and I'm guest hosting for Kate Ebner. Like Kate, I'm a faculty member. I teach in the coaching program and the transformational leadership program. It's my pleasure to welcome back to our show Richard Strozzi Heckler. Richard and I first spoke back in July on the topic of embodied leadership. We had a lot to discuss. And it was such a rich conversation, we decided it would be a good idea to go for part two. So welcome, Richard. It's great to be talking with you again. Hi, Leanne. Great to be here. Before we dive in, I do want to provide a bit about your background, since some of our listeners may be tuning in for the first time. Richard has a Ph.D. in psychology and a sixth-degree black belt in Aikido, a nationally known speaker, coach, and consultant On leadership and mastery, he has spent 40 years researching, developing, and teaching the practical application of somatics, which means working with and through the whole self, which is the unity of our thinking, our feeling, our acting, our being, the way we perceive, and our mood and emotions. And he's translated this work and taken it to individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations around the world. Richard is the author of eight books, including his most recent, The Art of Somatic Coaching, The Leadership Dojo, and In Search of the Warrior Spirit. And in October 2000, a Wall Street Journal cover story featured the groundbreaking leadership program developed by Richard for the United States Marine Corps. He was named one of the top 50 executive coaches in the art and practice of leadership coaching and also in profiles in coaching. Excuse me. He is the founder of the Strozzi Institute in California and really a pioneer in his field. So I'm excited to be back in conversation with Richard on the topic of embodied leadership, and it's our hope that we inform and maybe provoke and even inspire some new ways of thinking and doing and being for each of you. So welcome again, Richard. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. I'm out here in California, and we have a little bit of rain, and um, since our long drought, any little bit of rain brings a lot of smiles to my face. Yeah, joy and celebration. I hope it lasts for a while. Yes, that would be nice. (laughs) Well, listen, you know, I thought we'd start with a quote from one of your books, The Leadership Dojo, and this is a short one. I think there are two statements you make in there that are provocative and will, may serve, I'm hoping will serve as a good entree into this notion of embodied leadership. 
the body we are will be the type of leader we are. The way we shape ourselves will have people move toward us, away from us, against us, or be indifferent to us. So will you expand on what you mean here? Uh, um, First of all, I'd like to say one of the claims that I have, that we have at Strozzi Institute, is that the body and the self are intimately and inextricably linked together. And so that when we speak about the body here, or even the soma, we're also speaking about the self. So we say that it is through our bodies that we take action, that we have emotions and moods, that we learn to coordinate with others, that we have dignity in our lives, and we're able to um, uh, um, be in dignity, uh, as I said. And um, so inside of this, um, when we meet somebody, one of the very first things that people will do is they'll make an assessment or they'll have a view or perspective about our presence. And um, even though we live in pretty much a disembodied culture, um, people are reading how we show up in that particular way. So we know that um, most research has shown, uh, especially through Dr. Mehrabian's work in UCLA, is that people listen 7% content and 93% presence. And so the way that we organize ourselves somatically will say something very clearly and very directly about who we are as a person. And... um, So it gives the leader, the individual, the opportunity to go, how do I want to present myself here? What assessments do I want to have? And this isn't necessarily like tips and techniques about changing yourself on the external, but really digging in into the self and going, what is it that I want to shift? And it's not just an idea that you shift, but it's about how you organize yourself. And people will say, oh, here's a person who is comfortable in their own skin. This is a person that's both relaxed and at the same time has energy moving through them. This is a person that um, can execute and fulfill on their commitments, for example. I know a core Strozzi principle um, is that change and transformation requires working through the body by engaging in regular practices because these practices lead to embodiment. And the last time you were on the show, we talked about some of those practices practices relative to two different leaders who you had worked with individually. You gave some client examples. And so I thought, let's revisit, like, what are some, instead of going to specific client examples, what are some of the foundational practices that you recommend for being in the body and being with the self? One of the great things that the new technologies in neuroscience give us is that they're beginning to really ground, among other things, but beginning to ground what we as human beings have really known for for centuries. And one of those things that it grounds is that we change or we transform ourselves through practices. That's how it happens Uh, way back. It's... uh, You know, Aristotle said, uh, you are what you practice. And um, 
one of the fundamental practices that we encourage when we work with leaders is this notion of meditation. And I want to say is that when I first began doing this works over 40 years ago, actually over 45 years ago, is that when I would say meditation and bring up meditation, people would either have a picture of the Beatles or somebody with a white flowing beard and (laughs) um, these robes on. And uh, it was a little bit like, whoops. And already it it was a big enough leap to say it's important to pay attention to your body, Mm -hmm. um, your feeling self, your emotional self, um, your, your moods. And so we began to call it attention training, which in many ways meditation is attention training. And um, and then that started to make sense to people. And we know that people who are successful in what they do and also fulfilled in their lives are able to gather their attention. They're not run by all the chatter um, inside their own heads, but they're able to focus that energy the way that they the way that they want. Then, with the good work of people doing um, their 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 studies and research an application around mindfulness is that um, it's just become much more acceptable, you know, being on the cover of Time magazine and Scientific American, um, that uh, we can, when we say meditation now, it's much more palatable to people. So we, we, we give people a very, very simple practice. Meditation can come in many forms. It can come in sitting. It can come in walking. Um, like mindfulness, of course, and that's what meditation is. But we give a, people a very, very simple practice of just bringing your attention to the breath, which means you bring your attention to the sensation of the breath through the nose or through the abdomen. And um, we encourage people to get a, do it on a daily basis. Can you make a suggestion around timing? You know, this is, that can be a tough thing. And let me tell you what I've been hearing a lot of, and Kate mentioned this when she talked to Tara Brock on the program, that when we bring this up with leaders as leadership trainers, coaches, practitioners, and even as busy leaders ourselves, we'll say, oh, my gosh, you know, I already have this long list of things to do, and now, dear coach, you're going to encourage me to take how much time out of my day to do this thing called meditation, and oh, by the way, sometimes I still think it's a bit woo-woo. So how do you enroll and, and how do you help people step into this? First of all, I say take what's, take what's uh, digestible for you. Okay. Like if it's just five minutes that you're there, just do five minutes. Often when people go, oh, this sounds good, I'll do a half an hour or 45 minutes, and then it's difficult and they kind of quickly give up. So first of all, we'd say, let's just do a, um, let's do it together here. This is what it looks like. And um, take amount of time that you can do. And if, the, if that works for you, you can add to it or subtract to it. Um, and the other thing is that um, it's very easy to point to about 50 years of pretty solid research into meditation that shows that... Um, um, well, essentially, it's good medicine. It's good for your mental health. And it's good for your uh, emotional health and very, very good for your physical health. There's all kinds of papers written about it. 
So, yes, I hear exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, I just keep encouraging it and letting them know that what they're working on and what they want to produce in their life has to come from certain practices. Um, let me say one more thing here, and is that um, we also give them a staff, what we call a Joe. It's called a Joe in Japanese. We show them a set of forms, or a kata, and people will learn this kata, and um, that can be a form of meditation also, of movement meditation, just like Tai Chi, which you might do alone, or even Qigong. Any of those would be good. And they, as they go through this form, we ask them to start to refine their attention. So it's a moving meditation. And, you know, people, I think that that's a little bit maybe more acceptable in the sense that they can take their Joe to the gym. People have reported that, or they do it at the park. And um, it it doesn't, at first, the idea that might seem kind of eccentric, but then they see, oh, there's other people doing things like this also. Yeah, you know, and I want to encourage people to check out YouTube because you've got the 31 Jokata out there. You're actually in the dojo in California doing a demonstration of that. So if somebody wants to, obviously they can sign up for a course through Strozzi, but I'm also imagining that there are some ways that they can step into this work themselves. Would that be accurate, or would you have concerns about somebody just diving right in and getting their kata, their joe, and then, and then trying to follow and learn through the no, I appreciate, I appreciate that, and I think that's. I think it might be difficult to, to follow it, but at least you can have a sense of what it looks like and what's the value of it mm-hmm. in terms of a centering, moving meditation. And, um, and uh, then if somebody feels enough um, enhanced by that and pulled towards that, is then they can take on a uh, go, well, let me try those first four moves, see how they look. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because yeah, I think, what, 31? 31 steps. Correct. Am I got right? Yes. So I like what you're saying, four or five. And also I think you've said something really important here that a lot of listeners may not have thought of, that meditation doesn't necessarily mean sitting um, for a long period of time in silence. There are walking meditations mm-hmm. as well. You can be moving and also be in reflection. Correct? Absolutely. You know, the people who might have a little uh, physical training, PT training, where they take a walk every day or even a run or even if they're on their their Stairmaster, for example, is that by shifting the attention in a particular kind of contemplative or meditative way, that becomes a practice also. So it's just not that I'm watching the news or I'm reading a book or I'm watching the other people here, is that I'm attending to my center of gravity I'm feeling my entire body, or I'm staying with my breath. So when somebody already has some kind of practice they may do, you can um, insert or incorporate the principles of meditation or mindfulness into that too. See, I think that's important. I think that's a really key point here. And so we've spent our time talking about meditation. We've talked about working with a Joe. Are there any other practices that you really want to make sure you mention here when you talk about regular practices 
that lead toward embodiment? Well, the fundamental principle about starting to live inside of your body, live inside of your actually lived experience, means that you're bringing your attention to the life of the body. And what that means is you're bringing your attention to sensation and you're moving from the thinking self to the feeling self. One of the advantages of doing that is you're also strengthening your attention. If you think of the attention as a muscle, that gets strengthened. So inside of this principle of bringing your attention to the life of your body, here's a very simple practice. You're standing with one foot slightly ahead of another, maybe a foot in front of the, in between them. Uh, you have, you're right over your center of gravity, your hips, your arms are relaxed. And then from there, what you do is you move your hips forward. And as you move your hips forward, you're not tipped forward. Um, uh, and you're not bringing your back heel up, but you're practicing moving from that center of gravity. So the center goes forward and back, forward and back. And then at one point, you can bring the back foot up and the left front foot back and continue to do that motion where you're engaging the legs, the hips, moving from your center of gravity. And you can do that at a number of different speeds. You can do that very slowly or you can actually pick up the pace on it. So that would be a very simple exercise to do. Um, the, there's a turning movement that's very common in um, Aikido and other Japanese martial arts is called a Tenkan. Uh, that can also be seen on YouTube. And it's, we have often people who will do a practice of they'll walk for, they'll, they'll, they'll stand for five minutes in meditation and paying attention to their breath or sitting. They may walk for five minutes. They'll do the, this, this other exercise I just showed you where the hips are moving forward and back and letting the arms relax and swing. And then they'll do the uh, two-step for five minutes. And often that's very acceptable for people because they go, oh, I'm moving my body for my health. And at the same time, I'm developing this capacity to begin to collect my attention and focus it where I want to. So the two-step, there's a two-step in country line dancing, but that's not what you're talking about, is it? Well, I don't know about country line dancing, so I can't comment, but I would say a two-step would be simply, for example, if my left foot's forward, I bring my right foot up, and I turn, bring my left foot back, and I'm looking where I just came from. Okay. Just a very simple move. It's, it's going one, two, as if I was walking, somebody called my name, I turned my hips around, and I see them there. It's almost like uh, I would say it's like I'm walking in one direction to, to reemphasize and make sure I've got this. I'm walking forward. You're behind me and you call my name. It's almost like that move that we make when we've got our one leg extended and we kind of pivot around. I'm sorry? Yeah, that's exactly right. One that's leg exactly extended. Right. I've just put maybe my right leg out. I'm on forward motion, and Richard says, Hi, Leanne, and I just turn and then extend walking towards you with that other leg. Is that what we're talking about? Do I have that right? You have it exactly right. Okay. And it's a practice that people will do maybe for five or even ten, ten minutes 
as a meditation in movement practice. Well, you gave us a lot to think about here. So we've got, let's, let's make sure that we, I got them all. Okay, well, we're talking about meditation. We're talking about uh, practices, one of which is meditation that you can do standing, seated, lying down. We've got the work with the Joe, and the Joe Kata, which you can learn to do the whole thing or just pieces of it. And then what are the other ones? Standing and walk, standing five, walking five, two-stepping, yep. right? And there was one other one. Um, I think you covered them. Did I get them all? Well, it looks like that will give us a chance to make sure we've got them all, and we're getting the cue for a break. So uh, let's just hit the pause button for a few minutes. You're listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. I'm talking with Richard Strozzi Heckler, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Thank you for being with us today. You're listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. I'm Leanne Worcester-Nafee. And I'm talking again with Richard Strozzi Heckler, author, coach, consultant, teacher, and pioneer in somatics and embodied leadership. And before the break, we were talking about practices, that one of the things that great leaders do is to engage in practices. So, Richard, you want to pick it up there? Well, that, that, was, that was a enlightening conversation 
that we just had there, Leanne. And I think what I want to say is that um, it's just critical that while we're all trying to produce what we're trying to produce and execute on our commitments, uh, is that, number one, where is a place in our life where we're actually feeding our um, our, our deepest essence or feeding our soul, for example, really cultivating ourselves um, so that we just move out of the weeds of crossing T's and dotting I's? What kind of practice feeds you or you can go to the oasis? And then number two is, what is the, how do you, in terms of uh, your evolution or your movement uh, and change, how do you want to shape yourself in a new way and what practices uh, uh, are required to do that? So if we say there's, I want to build on my leadership presence, my accountability, my commitment, et cetera, et cetera, it's just not that I have an idea about that. It's that what are the practices that will take me to that so I actually embody those principles. And that is what's so unique to your approach and the approach at the Strozzi Institute. It's not just an intellectual understanding. You have a call to action to everyone that you work with that they engage their full self, which means that physical body and that core self, that essence, your soul, your spirit, whatever you want to call that, that's what you are saying to leaders. They really need to become aware of, be connected to, and practice and work with. Is that? That hits it right on the uh, bullseye. That's what we see. That's what yep. we see. You know, before, I want to segue, but before we do, I just want to make sure that we are clear with what we mean by embodied leader. So can you just give us some distinctions around this? I know we're kind of reviewing ground, but just some key distinctions about what it means to be an embodied leader so people really get it. A couple things I think we can look at. Number one is, is what this person is saying, is that actually who they are and what they're being? Good example, so many people have seen the um, Dr. King's I Have a Dream Yes. Uh, speech, and when you look at that, even now, years later, you go, oh, he, he's not making an announcement or proclaiming something. He is that thing. And what we would say is that when we unify or we're coherent with our speech and our actions and our mood is really when we're most powerful, and that's where it draws people's um, attention that's a fundamental piece right there. Congruence and coherency between what we're saying, what we're doing, how we're being, everything. Mood, yes. emotion, mood emotion, language, body, spirit, all aligned. I know it's a simplistic way to say that, but I'm just trying to break it down and make it as kind of clear conceptually. Is that the, the way to hold it? That's the way to that's the way to hold it, and we okay. say that those things like our speech, that also comes out of our body or our soma. So all of this is like, what is the body? We would say in our slang, or what is the shape that we are that is needed to produce this particular vision, or that or fulfill on this particular purpose in our life, and that has to do with being in all of those things, exactly. Okay. 
I think so, the other thing, too, yeah. is that um, when we see that we are able to relax in our own skin, and that's a way of saying that we've done this kind of interwork and intercontemplation and digging into these certain shadows in ourselves and um, bring those to light that we are um, not, uh, uh, we're not hiding or running from something or trying to block something off, but we're actually open to the world and we're open to our own expression in a different way. We're less afraid of being ourselves, and we're more open to other people's points of view. And what we do, we say that that is a, a, a very strong distinction about embodiment also, someone who is relaxed in their own skin so that you're present um, to others, you're present to the environment, you're open to possibilities, and you're connected to what matters to you. So you might listen to somebody's really per, uh, persuasion about something, but at the same time you go, well, that doesn't exactly fit with my purpose or my ethic. Mm-hmm. I can legitimize the others, but I'm still connected to what matters to me. Is there anything else? When we're embodied, we, we, we have room for things that um, maybe the social norms um, may not have as much room for. We have room um, for differences. Uh, we have the, the differences that might occur because of gender or race our class, our ethnicity, that we have room for those things, um, that we um, are able to legitimize or authenticate another person's experience. Um, in other words, we're able to acknowledge their come from, and we say that that comes from an embodied experience as well. And we also now know that this notion of being acknowledged or recognized is really fundamental to human beings, that we're, we're, we're monitoring or searching for that. And that's a very powerful aspect mm-hmm. of, of embodiment. Thank you. Thank you for walking us through that. And um, something you just said actually um, takes me in a, in a bit of a different direction. Of course, the same, the same topic of embodiment, but you mentioned differences. And so the last time you were on the show, we talked about um, how you worked one-on-one with two leaders. And you, this time I'd like to explore how you work with teams and work groups because you, you do all of the above. And so often we are working in a team or a work group in a community organization, wherever it might be, and there are differences. And yet we're coming together in order to make something happen together. And so can you talk a little bit about how you work with teams and groups? How's that for a segue? Well, I, that's a big question. <laughs> and, <laughs> how can I help you break and, that and down? It's a, great, it's a great segue, and it's a place that I'm very interested in, is that in, in, the, in the areas in which there are, there's lack of agreement um, to conflict, um, that how do we actually begin to build a bridge between these different points of views, and it's a very fundamental place that I work with um, teams and also um, 
uh, uh, different parts of an organization and even different, different countries who are in conflict with each other. So I'll start by saying I think that in terms of that kind of work, that kind of, it's actually a, a healing of conflict or it's an integration of conflict uh, of differences <clears throat> that homo sapiens, humans, are really accustomed to doing that in groups. That, that's been our long history, that history of being tribal or being in clans or bands and really, it's not so much as, as a one-on-one thing, but really, it's a group participation that's happening. And I think that's important to say because, especially in America, in the West, there's such a strong thrust towards individualism and that we don't have a very strong optic towards the um, collective or towards the community. Now, that's a beautiful reminder. And one that gives me hope. And then uh, one of the things that um, I'll do with groups is we begin to go, what is a common platform that we can begin to have our conversations, practices, and interactions together with? And one is simply that we're able to, uh, we, we all are biological beings, we're historical beings, we're social beings, and we're linguistic beings. Um, all of that linguistic, social, and historical is inside of our bodies or inside of the shape that we are. So we begin to build practices where everybody learns how to organize themselves so they're centered, so they're present, open, and connected, and they're coming from this felt sensation that they have. It doesn't mean that they still can't think analytically or logically or rationally by any means, but we're also including the the, the, the feeling sense, which which can um, also surface certain moods and certain emotions. So, if and a group, we'll, can I jump in here for a second? Mm. So, if a group comes into work with you and they maybe aren't so aligned. Let's bring in a group that just, you know, they, they're, maybe it's a planning retreat, but they're not aligned. They own that they're a bit siloed, and they're going to spend some time with you. Uh, and you just said that magic word again, practices. So yes. uh, we just talked about practices that individuals can do that really requires a full body engagement. I call it 3D, right? And it sounds like you're going to do the same thing again, or you do the same thing again, when you're working with a team that's coming in, or that you're going to. Is that correct? Absolutely. Let me give you an example of this, okay? Perfect. I'm working with this group that has members of, um, so there's uh, State Department uh, members in it, there's Department of Justice members in it, there's military in it, and, and some aspects of the intelligence community in there. And the meeting is done around this big um, uh, table, this big board room meeting table. And as we everybody sits down and begins these conversations, it becomes very clear to me that the way that we are structurally coupled to sitting this way, mm-hmm. we'll just have the conversations run in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Because we're accustomed to that, we've practiced that, we've embodied that, and while it has its virtues, it's also a place in which 
it will limit things, especially in this conversation, in certain conversations. So I make this suggestion. I said, you know, I think what we need to do is we need to move away from this uh, this table because of the reasons I just said to you. Mm-hmm. And why don't we um, why don't we go down to the park? Or we go down to Arlington Cemetery and let's just start our conversations while we're walking. We can be in groups of two, three, or even four and see if that changes things. Um, uh, so, of course, there was a lot of side-eyeing, like, hmm, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Here we go. Who is this guy? What is he having us do? Yeah, right. And then there was this captain in the Navy, former SEAL commander, and he said, hey, if we can do something creative or innovative, I think that's a fantastic idea. So he had a certain kind of cachet, ah. and we did it. And the, the, the anecdotal um, response from people was, no, that was that that was useful. It just you know, people had to pay attention to a whole range of things like sky, weather, uneven, and all of that began to change um, the the level of um, acknowledgement and intimacy they had with each other. Another example would be I would have people say, "Let me show you this thing that we that we appropriate from the martial arts, and we call it being centered, and we'll all do that." And I'll have them stand. I'll walk them through a centering practice where they start to have an organizing principle or a center um, of how they can not only just be in their heads thinking about things, but that they can be in their entire body. Maybe do some partner practices with that and then entire group practices with that. So, for example, in our previous conversation this morning, we talked about the this possibility of using the staff, having a practice with the staff. Well, I'll show everybody in the group how to do that practice, and then there's a group practice that people do together. Um, there was a, a group that I was working with, and um, they were doing this as a group, and uh, senior vice president said, look, if you ever have a disagreement with somebody, the first thing I want you to do is that I want you to do this practice with the Joe with them which is a couple of practices where they're clicking the Joes together and they're moving in a coordinated way. And if that doesn't help add lubrication to this conflict and how you're resolving it, then come to me, mm. which I think was just a very powerful thing for, for him to say in terms of the, the use of this. Well, that was a, a perfect uh, segue. We're going to take a break again. Um, when we come up, let's pick up with this notion of working with teams and groups. Uh, this is Leanne worcester Nathy. My guest today is Richard Strozzi Heckler, and we'll be right back. it's up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network founded in 2012 the institute for transformational leadership itl is an international center for inquiry experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. 
Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF Certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Thank you once again for being with us today. I'm Leanne worcester Nathy, and I've been talking with Richard Strozzi Heckler, part two of our conversation, which started in July. And we were just talking about the work that you do with teams and groups in organizations and across the world, and we've been taking this notion of practices and how individual leaders can not only do it, but how you actually bring groups together and get them up and standing and moving and engaging in practices as a way for deepening their conversation and for bridging and coming together around whatever it is, the work that they're, they're wanting to accomplish together. So I actually think this is another opportunity for us to segue into some really important work, Richard, that you're doing. Um, You co-founded a program called Training Across Borders. It's a keto-based peace-building program, and I know you're just back from an experience in Athens, Greece in October where you brought uh, a group together, and these are folks that come from areas of cross-border or cross-cultural violence or warfare, and you bring the same practices and notions along with other instructors to this group. So can you tell us what inspired you to put this program together and what you're doing there? Yes, this this program, Training Across Borders or or TAB, um, is a very, very uh, rich and unique um, possibility of having people whose, whose nations have been in conflict for generations and generations to go, is there another way to, be, to, to add something to the conversation? Is there another way that we can build a relationship and add fluidity to um, how we resolve this conflict other than the normal ways? And so this is the second time we did it. First time was in Cyprus, Greece, and Cyprus, Nicosia, Cyprus, 
This was in Greece. We had 100 people from 18 countries and um, from five, five continents. Like I said, the, these were Palestinians and Israelis and Greeks and Turks and northern and southern Cypriots and Bosnians and Serbs and Iraqis and Americans and people who, whose, whose countries have had this kind of tension for um, a long time or, or even just recently. And um, uh, what we, we, we came in under this guy's like, okay, just a simple Aikido seminar. And at the same time, it's like, what can we learn by doing this martial art of Aikido, uh, which is the way of being in harmony with a universal energy mm-hmm. and having breakout groups that we begin to initiate um, deeper conversations around conflict. And can we use the principles of Aikido? Can we use somatic principles to help lubricate and add fluidity to these conversations? Um, what did you discover? Uh, well, we, we discovered a number of things. Is that um, It's just a very, very powerful ground when you begin to touch somebody else, when you begin to move with them, uh, even in Aikido, no matter how experienced you are or what kind of a beginner you are, is that there's something that uh, begins to open portals of, um, of conversation, uh, different levels of acceptance, and, and I think most important of all, a, a deeper listening and a really a deeper listening that isn't just automatically met with some kind of defensiveness. Somebody says something, then you have to defend your position, but really listening deeply to, to what matters to people and what cares about people. What, what people care about. So this whole notion of moving together, touching each other in an informed way, um, executing certain kinds of principles through the body as opposed to just in the conversational sense, um, really we see over and over again that it adds this ground that um, builds a platform for a, a, a more intimate and deepening aspect of the relationship. As one Palestinian said, he said, you know, um, your people killed my people. I know my people killed your people. I'm not going to say we're going to be friends after this, but I know we have to do something different. Mm. And and because of that, Mm. I'm going to um, fully embrace this, and I ask you to do the same thing. And these were people then that began to, after the first one, they began to train together regularly. Uh, They began to have different uh, relationships going to more social events with each other. And I know that this is a huge systemic problem, but uh, it does build relationships that I think has the opportunity of spreading. So if this is just one little drop in a bucket, if everybody puts their drop in the bucket, who knows, maybe that bucket bucket will fill Mm -hmm. up. That's quite a ripple effect. And... um... How long are you? T- are they together with you and the other instructors? We're there for four and a half days, almost five days. So and I'm just going to imagine that they that many people come in fairly armored against stealing ourselves against each other. Absolutely, um, an enemy. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, there, were, there were a number of people that said, I'd love to come, but if I know that if I show up there, um, my life will be at risk when I return mm-hmm. to my country, or I'll never show up and be in that room with that kind of a person. So um, even the people that come that are pretty self-selected, you can feel mm-hmm. uh, the tension in the room. 
And like I said, Leanne, there's something in moving together in, in, a, in a powerful, positive narrative. And by positive, I don't mean like it's kumbaya, because mm-hmm. it is a martial art. Okay. Um, plus the other things we do in breakout groups where we talk about healing, we talk about education, we talk about um, um, how do you deal with, how do you take these principles off the mat, um, mm-hmm. produces a huge amount of momentum for people where they begin to shift their optics just enough to go, maybe there's another way or an openness that I can have that can en- enhance this possibility of, of um, resolving this violence. Mm. So what do you attribute your success? So there's a shift. There's, a, there's a, an opening, a possibility. You know, that's big in the coaching world, right? We're, we're helping people shift their perspective. Because in that shift, there's more possibilities for transformation, not just transactional change, but transformational change. So to what do you attribute? We chose teachers and the staff, all the way from the breakout groups to the Aikido teachers, who could model what we're talking about. Mm. So what I said earlier, they're not saying one thing and their bodies are doing another thing. So we had very, very strong martial uh, 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 techniques. We had very, very fluid soft ones, the whole range. But what they did is they modeled this notion of um, there's a way that we can organize ourselves, shape ourselves in a different kind of way that would, would uh, make, this, make this change. So that modeling is very important. Number two is, so even in the moments where we might be confronted or we might be um, attacked, unquote, about what we're doing, that the teachers could show that um, no, I will legitimize your attack, and I acknowledge it. I'll blend with it. I'll move with it. Um, that was just critical. The second thing was what we talked about earlier, is that this notion of transformation came from people being introduced to new practices. Mm-hmm. And it really is that by doing these new practices, we, Im- we begin to embody these things that we care about, or the, we begin to embody things that we didn't even know that we cared about, but then come to the surface. Because and, if, um, I, if I understand you, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to say what I, that it, it comes down to it increases choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's well, important, right? Yes. That's what were you going to say? Uh, well, I've totally lost that train of thought because what you just said I thought was really powerful and important. Um, but what's been your own personal aha from this work? The, um, for me, it's this, this uh, and this is a place that I'm really looking into these days, Leanne, is this dynamic relationship between what I might call the cultivation of the self, which is like... How do I build a certain kind of identity and way of being and, and practice in the world that allows me um, to fulfill um, uh, a certain sense of purpose here? Mm-hmm. Um, and that in relationship to what, um, let me just call here, spirit or the sacred or the divine and that I've seen that how easy it is that we can kind of do this spiritual bypass to, to, to spirit, and then we don't take care of these 
shadow aspects of ourselves, our, our, our relationships that we're moving in. Mm. Or then some people will go so much into building the self or doing that kind of work is that uh, they don't take into account that there's a larger, uh, more powerful um, energy. Yes. That we would call the, the mystery, for example, mm-hmm. and how does that influence us? And so uh, that was definitely a takeaway for me. Um, while we had people from a number of different religions, um, you know, from all the theistic religions to, to Buddhism, uh, Sufism, etc., um, uh, and 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 um, how how does that blend happen? How do we? How can we? Is it, is it like we all share a, a kind of a biology? but we also share a relationship under the heavens, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do we bring both of those in? And how do we? And what is the tension or the pull or the dynamics between those? This is really rich terrain, right? We've done it again by George. I think we've opened this topic <laughs> that we could talk easily for another hour on, and I'm looking at the time, and we only have about another minute or two left. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And um, I'm trying to think of how we might help our listeners who are leaders and global citizens. What might we, what might we learn from this experience you've told us about training across borders that can be translated if we're leading or working with a team? That's a nugget, or it might be a question. It could be a, a suggestion, a practice. What do you think? Um, especially in the West, we are taught to prune away the feeling self. By feeling self, I don't mean I'm going to be emotional or I'm going to have this kind of mood, although that may happen. It means that how do I touch into this this animating principle, this energy, this key, this chi, this prana that actually enlivens me. Mm. And that... Um, we're taught not to attend to that. Even people who are great athletes or great martial artists or recreational athletes, in many ways they'll end up just doing great performances. And I'm not speaking negatively about that, but it's more like a performing body. And what I'm saying is the really importance of having a practice, all the ones that we've outlined before, where you, you, you quiet yourself and you begin to listen to um, those those sensations, those feelings, those streamings, that kind of wisdom that really is a two billion year inheritance that we have in our bodies. Practically, do a sitting meditation, do a walking meditation, do a standing meditation, uh, do Tai Chi, do Qi Gong. If you're already walking or if you're already running, that's beautiful. Keep keep doing that, but now add to it, like, what is it that I'm noticing? How do I build this new kind of observer for myself mm-hmm. that opens new possibilities? I also think you gave us the suggestion with our team, something as simple as getting up and walking together, getting outside, doing something together, and then noticing what that does to what we're thinking, feeling, and experiencing together. Absolutely. Just getting up and say, let's just stand together and maybe we can start to breathe in unison together. I'll tell you a very quick story. I know we're at the end here. During the uh, peace talks at the end of World War II, the Japanese um, 
uh, uh, negotiators were taught how to how to coordinate their breath with the Americans mm. um, negotiators so that they would be more in harmony with them. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Common well, sense. Here we are at the end of our time. That is a perfect place to to wrap for today. We might be on to a part three at some point, Richard. <laughs> for those listeners who would like to follow your work, where could they find more information out about you as well as about training across borders? Um, you can go to strozyinstitute.com and see our programs are really long a menu of different programs that we do, both in our nonprofit side and our prof and, and, and working with organizations. And um, you know, as I like to say, there's so much on the World Wide Web. You know, you can um, take a look at one of my books, The Leadership Dojo: The Art of Somatic Coaching, in search of the warrior spirit. And that will open these things up. Okay. Well, listen, you, I've Lee. really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for. For joining me again, you've been listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, and I hope you all have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.